Welcome to Arts Forward MKE, a new podcast out of the Imagine MKE podcast shop. I'm Lindsay Sheridan, your host and director of marketing and PR at Imagine MKE. Each week on this show, I'll sit down with an artist or arts administrator in Milwaukee and dive deep into their story, asking them about their Milwaukee origin story, their early memories that sparked a love of the arts, their present work, and their vision for the future of the city. Please be sure to subscribe to hear new episodes released each Thursday. On today's episode, I speak with writer and creative change agent Dasha Kelly Hamilton. A quick note, the first handful of episodes in this podcast, this one included, were recorded before the pandemic in March, so that's why you won't hear any mention of its impact. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy. I'm here today with Dasha Kelly Hamilton, writer, performance artist, creative change agent, social entrepreneur, a woman of many talents. Thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to start our conversation um, with a question that I'm, I'm beginning all of these artists' interviews with mm-hmm. uh, to set the tone. So can you tell me, do you remember a time early in life that you experienced art in a way that impacted you deeply, that stuck with you? I'm trying to trace back to an earliest memory, but I think the challenge is art has always impacted me deeply. And if anything, has been more my relationship with art. And from the very early days, it was being able to make art. I don't know that I would have called it art. I was making stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was... It was uh, crayons, of course, we all start there, but it was every possible make it kit from the clay to latch hook to sewing and um, all the various types of paints and puzzles. And my parents just knew that that one kept me quiet. Um, (laughs) And I just liked that that process of going from from I don't know to this finished thing, this tower of 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 pencils this uh tangle of of thread and fabric that you may call sewing yeah. and that has always been something that has excited me even at the very very beginning was from writing stories to have a a blank piece of paper and imagine literally what if and then what and then what and then what and then what some more so it's always been something that excited me i would say something that um su- super early and i recently brought this up uh, someone was talking about an oboe. And I, I did choir on the other side of the thing, but I don't know much. Of, I mean, I know I have a pedestrian's knowledge of orchestra and instruments and whatnot. And it was talking to David, in fact. Um, somehow oh, yeah. it came up and it was something made me think of Peter and the Wolf, made me think mm-hmm. of the that that uh, symphony piece. Mm-hmm. But my introduction to it was the sound these instruments make and they were aligning them to different characters. So they yeah. animated the sound, turned them into, uh, and this is the sound that the fox makes. And this is the n- instrument that was chosen yeah. to animate the bear or whatever the animals were that were in the cartoon. And just remember my brain putting those two together and my my brain gasped if that were possible my brain <laughs> dropped its dropped its jaw it was like what <laughs> and i just i have a memory of that possibility of those things going together mm-hmm. and not only did it go together and it it was a behind the scenes it made sense it also speaking with you now introduced a thought process that um, clearly has been embedded because i i i take my imagination goes that route from sure. what's possible to through what's practical, mm-hmm. connected to um, what we should, what 
we what's purposed Mm -hmm. and then build out from there so I would say it's a really long winding confusing response but thinking about it that would be the one that impressed me that way that shows up in the way that I live today I love that I remember also in music class in elementary school watching a video of Peter and the Wolf uh, where it was making those same connections and how you know, I can't picture what that video was like, but I can remember the sounds of, of them making those connections between animals and instruments too mm-hmm. and how that sticks with you. When do you think that process of building and making something out of nothing, um, when did words and language become uh, a primary mechanism for that for you? Quite honestly, not until my 20s, maybe even later. Um, I've always put words together, but it wasn't, I, I didn't appreciate, um, I would say I didn't appreciate how that exercise could be transferred into everywhere else in my life. It was this isolated experience of what to do with the rest of this glue and what would make sense with this description and where else can I go with this story? So there were these, there were the way that people will spend time doing watercolors and crosswords and building things in a garage. That was something that was an outlet for me. And in fact, it wasn't until I got to college that I realized that everyone cannot write. <laughs> I knew that. You just thought it's inherent. I just thought <laughs> yeah. that there were people who didn't like it. Right. You know, I was the people that grumbled in the class in the seat next to you because the paper that was due or mm-hmm. the grades that they received, or I just knew that there were people that didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But I was a tutor. So I tutored other, I played volleyball in college. So initially I tutored other student athletes. And then when I stopped playing volleyball, I became um, a tutor in the center and I became unofficially the paper girl. So I'm helping people process through their papers. And that was my first writerly experience of trying to explain to someone how what they thought and what they wrote weren't close. Mm -hmm. And for me, the question mark in the side of my head was how does this happen? So I just started to, to really appreciate the that it, as a skill set and also as a as a talent. Mm-hmm. But even then, it wasn't figuring out what to do with with that work. But I would say around that time, I started to see the talent a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And when I started doing more work and working with other people that wanted to write, starting to do some classes in, with young people, and from the gate, it was a appreciating the steps that it takes to get from I don't know to a finished anything mm-hmm. so around that time everything swirls into what's possible I, I wasn't exactly a teacher and wasn't interested in teaching you um, stanzas and and um, um, pentameter and I mechanics, wasn't interested in yeah, mechanics of yeah. the work I wanted you to appreciate that you're already brilliant that your ideas mean something, that it, we can get from here to there. We don't know what there is exactly, but that doesn't mean that we can't get there. So really focus on the creative process, and that became the baseline for my workshops, my classes, my lectures, my engagement, because I have experienced how people, it's easy to be discouraged based on past grades, uh, the past breakups, the past mm. things, steps you fell down, all the things that didn't quite work are the things that on one hand are supposed to keep us safe from making those mm. errors in the future. Mm-hmm. But the mindset of there weren't errors, they were just things that you were learning or didn't know how to do yet. So being willing to try that moving forward 
reframing the process the experience of imagining what if where it's fun where you're kind of dis disoriented not exactly sure what this lady is talking about why we're writing this why I have to hum to this stranger why am I using this set of words and then oh look at this poem that showed up oh my goodness look at this memory that I never thought about and here it is the most relevant part of this conversation because it's taking me to a memory. It's helping me connect with the person. Um, it's just been a magical pro- experience. So I would say um, it was definitely leaning into what I wanted to accomplish. And I was then able to pull back on the, pull back on the, on these experiences of how people respond to what they're taught, how they're taught, why they're sitting in that chair in the first place. So going back to Peter and the Wolf, it's a a thought process of how you choose the right instrument to make a sound, to give a feeling, which are all abstractions, but they are just really concrete initiatives in my head. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to learn more about the Stillwaters Collective, Mm -hmm. which is, is, has been around for almost two decades. Um, and for, for those listeners that, that are not familiar, um, in, in short, it applies the craft, the Stillwaters Collective and, and the workshops and, and after school programs and whatnot offered to you through it instill this sense of community and capacity and confidence. Tell us more about the origin of Stillwaters and why you've spoken a little bit to it, but, but what is it about spoken word and creative writing that uniquely cultivates and builds up our young people? My introduction to open mics and spoken word, I had a friend that took me to an open mic and I immediately was just was energized by what was happening in the room. So there's a person that I don't know who's reading a poem that I've never heard before. The merit of it couldn't shrugging my shoulders right now. I couldn't remember it. It didn't impress me in that way, Um, but I was moved by the other human things that were happening because I'm watching this person clearly this was a difficult story for them to tell and clearly had made some decisions to push through it. Um, the room wanted the person to win. Um, everyone was listening and there were snaps and claps and mm-hmm's and it was very church. Um, and the writer in me also responded to listening to this original language. So I, tell people all the time I hated poetry it was the section in English class I didn't understand why we were being tortured with it was just riddles from dead old white people and there was no there was literally rhyme but no reason for (laughs) how this how we were going to grow from this work but being able to hear somebody read their version of a poem in their version of literature in the reality of their life and their cadence with this room it was amazing um and so from that experience of going in open mics, I went then back and was started to learn how to appreciate poetry on the page. And it's definitely a different process than fiction, which is what I grew up gobbling. Um, so that was a learning experience for me. So Stillwaters was acknowledging that process when I was initially invited to come into a classroom. And I'm like, ah, sure. Yes, I can make something happen, Mm -hmm. but I also was really mindful. I didn't want to go in like I'm the poetry expert. I've scribbled a couple of poems and I've written a bunch of stories, but I'm not an expert. I'm just good at it. And I think that there's a difference. I want to honor that. I'm going to go in and make this experience. In the very first class I went into, I asked the class, how many of you know you have good ideas? And a third of the room raises their hand. 
So at first I'm thinking they're shy and I'm new and, and I've been in a gazillion classrooms since then. And it's not because I'm new or they're shy. It's so, so much, so much about how we as humans and then them as young people in particular, um, have not been encouraged to think have not been encouraged to imagine, have not been instructed on how to get from here to there. I had a young man who worked with me for a number. I said, oh, my goodness, I hope that you get a job just being handsome because <laughs> you're not leaning into anything else right now. Um, I, and just the ideas that are going to get you out of a corner. And so I've been talking. So this work has been showing how creativity above the art itself, whether it's writing poetry or, you know, spitting a poem Mm -hmm. or doing a dance, the thought process it takes to get from shoulder shrug to this poem is a lot of work, a lot of decisions, a lot of strategy. So that was the, the heart of how and why I showed up in the classroom just to engage people, these young people in their own great ideas. So yes, and poems are going to happen in the process. So those two things, you know, came together and Stillwaters grew because I couldn't be in all the classrooms. I couldn't be in all the schools. So it went from a class to multiple classes in this one school to multiple classes in multiple schools to at our largest, we were in 16 high schools across the city. So it was an opportunity to engage other adult artists and poets that I knew. So initially they were some of our co-facilitators. Um, adults are hard-headed, so they didn't always in, d- deliver into the classroom was what had been asked of them. So you're <laughs> taking into account the people working in their schedule, and it's mm-hmm. not a million dollars. And mm-hmm. so a lot of learning along the way with there is a heart in terms of a social entrepreneur. There is a um, an intention in terms of someone who's a teaching artist. So there, so learning that and didn't have that language at that time, but just knew someone who was a talented poet and, and available wasn't necessarily the ideal person to be in right. front of a classroom guiding them through an experience that is going to ultimately have those young people feeling confident, whether or not their poem is great or not. So there were things that we learned along the way. And a part of that element was being able to fold it into a, an internship program for the alumni of the program. So there were young people that came to the classes, came to our workshops. We would go into um, high schools and lead their after school programs. And so we we're guiding the young people through conversations, through prompts, through, of course, their first scribbles and edits. And then it's how do we take this thing you've written and put it on a stage? How do you perform mm-hmm. it in, with three people next to you? How do you take it from great to amazing? Yeah. Um, and then it was also inter- interscholastic, so the schools are competing against one another. So the, it was really cool watching how wow. the kids from one high school knew who was dating who at another high school, knew who got into college at another high school, and so on and so on. And fast forward, many of them are still connected. Wow. So knowing that there was this, uh, we were able to knit together this network of young minds um, that wouldn't have connected it, through any other means. So if you're not on the basketball team or you're not in, in, a, in a traditional leadership role and all the things and ways right. that we expect to see teenagers show up, um, here is this little sliver of space where you get to come bring that knotted uh, poem from math class and read it out loud or you fit in everywhere and nowhere 
but so you get to come here and listen to other kids that look like you, sound like you, look nothing like you, smell nothing like you, but all of you are in this room together. And it was amazing watching that unfold. So it's same thing that worked in the adult rooms was working with the young people. Oh, and yeah. over time it, it unfolded where we have a fellowship with our young adults that came out to where we were able to use this creative process and this experience and shape them into leaders um, where they were doing presentations at City Hall. They are leading, you know, putting together initiatives to raise awareness about um, women's health. So all types of pro projects and programs yeah. birthed out of these network of these young people who are young leaders in the city now. And a lot mm -hmm. of them too are just young folks figuring it out. Like we all have been, and I believe in my heart, I still am. <laughs> um, so ultimately still waters has, uh, has grown to a space and we now are, we have things in place for adults who are creatives and doing fellowship projects with them where again, it boils down to the conversation of, I ask the same question. How many of you know you you have great ideas and reminding people that creativity is about creating something that wasn't there before. That's a shortcut to your job. That's a dish that should not have pine nuts in it, but somehow was delicious anyway. That is an outfit that shouldn't have the patterns match, but you made it work. So creativity is figuring out how to get that report done and still get, you know, still make your vacation flight. All of those things are how our brains work. Now, being an artist is another discussion. I mean, that's under the umbrella of creativity. But if we can stay focused on what you're capable of, you know, my daughter's a sophomore in college right now, and what I'm loving at this moment in her time of her life is for her experiencing that it's not a theory, mm -hmm. that she has everything that she needs to figure out mm -hmm. everything that she needs. And to have been in working with young people and not young people and to be able to almost, almost in my heart document when that is not a part of a person's construction sure. that they are, that they have the capacity and the capability to figure things out. Um, which leads to a lot of under-celebrated lives, mm. I would say. So Stillwaters does all of those pieces, and we do that through getting people in the same room and they're sharing their poems. We do that through um, every April is National Poetry Month. So we started reminding, bringing this national challenge to the city where it's 30-30. It's like a marathon. Can you write a poem every day? Oh, wow, I've only finished the whole month once. <laughs> so by, by the time you get to the teens, it's haikus and you're, yeah. you know, you're panting and all that. You're panting heavily. <laughs> but it has been an invitation and a platform mm -hmm. to get people in a room in you, around a conversation in unique ways. It has been a tool to engage people in their own lives, mm -hmm. in their own thought processes. So it's come, it's from open mics, we do residencies. I've done uh, workshops and trainings at conferences. I've done, um, gone and, and had a room full of executives and used the same process. It was a, a, a in terms of a, a workshop about a writing technique. And because I'm focused on process, I'm able to use the same session. And we have now a conversation about your bias flip it again and we're able to have a facilitated dot d discussion about how you're engaging your teams or your leaders or how we're valuing one another's stories and using this art as a place to jump as a jump off point but there's it truly truly is 
limitless of where you can go with the intention of wanting to get somewhere. And again, we don't know what where is, but we know it's over there. It's over there where understanding is, or it's over there where self-care is, or it's back behind us um, where protest is. But we can get there if we just lay some things, um, some some ifs on the table and follow them. This sounds like Stillwaters has had such a wonderful impact over over 20 years on this city. And I wonder if you can share with us a little bit more about your own personal Milwaukee origin story. Are you from here or did you move here? Mm-hmm. Um, what keeps you here? What made you stay? Mm. Sigh. <laughs> um, this is home. I'm originally yeah. from Milwaukee. I'm an army brat. So Milwaukee's where I was born. Um, St. Joseph's Hospital. My parents were born here. My sister was born here. And my father um, was commissioned in the military when I was four. So he was in prior to that, but that's when we actually started moving. So from mm. four until for, until now, it's been every three, four years, my family and I, we moved someplace different. So Milwaukee was where we came back between tours sure. or we came back for the summers if we were on the continent. And it's always held this place. It's where my grandmothers lived mm. um, and the, where the Ambrosia factory was. So there are just these these emblems that, that um, I held that held Milwaukee for me. So Milwaukee was a place and it was my permanent address. And I moved back um, in my late 20s. So I've learned the city like a transplant. So with that, it's coming back going, um, you know, this is weird, right? <laughs> you know, we should be able to travel all over the city, right? Mm. You know that art is not evil, right? And just this this squinted face for many, many years um, in returning to the city of one as a young professional wanting to navigate and pass out the business cards and do all the after work things and and in establishing myself and getting, of course, a sense of who and what the city was about, just felt and found myself always wanting um, and not so much wanting more, um, but wanting something. Um, and so it was, it was much easier to just kind of cocoon myself in work that mattered to me with, uh, with people around me that got my work, that had the same um, intention um, with how they wanted to navigate the world and their work. Um, was also learning how to follow opportunities that didn't entirely make sense. I mean, my background is in marketing and public relations. What am I doing teaching a poetry class? That's makes no sense except words have always been how I navigate this place called earth. <laughs> um, so that was, so that was my work. So I came back to the city um, and I was working at NPR and marketing and I'd done some writing by this point. I'd, I'd released a, a novella mm. And so I've got teachers, oh, I heard that you were, air quotes, real author. Could you come? And that's where it started. So all these things <laughs> were happening at the same time, being invited to visit classrooms, starting an open mic um, at a bar that um, my ex and I owned at the time, and just building out this journey, this experience. So I didn't set out to make Stillwaters what it is. It was do this project, do this project get funding for that project, make that. And then I looked over my shoulder one day and there were thousands of kids <laughs> and 16 programs and initiatives and things that had happened a lot of years put into it. So it really mm-hmm. was, it has entirely been a journey of, of 
love and imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, so in between that, I've been writing and scribbling and always looking at ways to, again, care for me because I still am in the indoor plumbing and want a roof and need to eat and right. also need to make sure that I'm creating things. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of those these years have been creating this community, has been creating um, ways and places for us to be heard. Um and us would be artists, us would be people of color, us would be the folks who are sparkly in different ways. Us would be people who don't look or live anything like me, but I know that this 15-year-old kid needs a place to be heard. I know that this um, veteran um, is going to is going to be a different kind of whole after we have this retreat space together. So it's really, um, I've been... Um, humbled and honored by the range of places and people who have invited me into their work mm-hmm. and into their spaces. And a couple of years ago, I had a colleague point out, you know, I really am moved by your practice. And she said some other words, but I was, I got, I just was stuck there. I hovered there and I went, I am grateful for that word. Because I really, I've had someone tell me, you know, you're a minister. Mm, sort of, no. <laughs> I get the sentiment in it, but the yeah, idea that yeah. this this as a practice mm. really resonated with me. So that has definitely been my journey because it's all the things. You know, yeah. I've, take, I've taken now to calling myself a creative change agent because it's a short, I still have to go back and explain it because people look and go, what? What does that mean? Right. Um, but it's different from seeing it written and you're, you know, I'm a writer and a facilitator and an educator and a performer and program analyst yeah. and a strategic yeah. planner and and, 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 but all of them, right. Right. all of them are on the axis of wanting to be an agent of change mm-hmm. and creatively is how I go about doing it. What a beautiful word practice is in that sense because it, it conveys that you are both um, a practitioner and an expert, but also perhaps still learning and evolving Right. Most definitely. It's a great word. Yeah. So you've you've got some pretty impressive titles from the city of Milwaukee. You were artist of the year in 2016 and you were inaugurated as Milwaukee's 11th poet laureate in 2019. And that that period of being poet laureate runs for a couple of years. Two right? years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk to us more about what did what did achieving these mean to you personally and what responsibilities and opportunities now that you're in the middle of this this poet laureate title what does that bring for you mm-hmm. um the artist of the year award i won that that year della wells and i shared the t- shared the honor and it was it, it was exciting to be the, the whirlwind of the announcement and to have this as an acknowledgement and at this and I was able to share, in especially at that time, not that it wouldn't be different today, but especially in that particular year, I was able to recognize that the work was for my personal work, but also this outreach work. That is an art. That is an intentional craft um, in terms of, again, making space and building platforms and f- and honoring voices and leveraging people's stories unto themselves right so i i i celebrated the totality of that that it just wasn't you know because of my book or my poems that it was that and the work that i was doing in the city so and i looked at it that way and being able to be selected as the poet laureate was um a 
a deeper achievement because it came to me. And this is a city that can I w- that can make you that can make you reconsider yourselves in unnecessary ways. Mm. So I was just telling someone just this past weekend, I'm I'm kind of amazing, right? Yeah. And if I have moments of I don't know, mm-hmm. folks who are a little bit less amazing in this city, mm-hmm. um, I know how I how I am challenged, how yeah. I struggle, and I have a network, and I have a support system, I have um, I have a lot of things, and it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to exist outside of a get up and go to this corner office and don't ask or say anything paradigm of a city mm-hmm. I've never been any of those things mm-hmm. um, and then add some and it's difficult so I've um, I'm I feel that I've gotten to this to, to be able to be in this seat to have this conversation with you in spite of it all mm-hmm. and not because of it all mm-hmm. um, and so with that um, the idea of the idea of persevering, it just you just really have to be intentional about your why, I yeah. think. Um, yeah. So in being able to get a phone call, uh, you know, about setting up this conference, and what was interesting is I thought we were going to talk about something else because I'd made, a, there was a whole nother email thread <laughs> to set up this, you know, a, a phone call about a, a writing competition, this writing project. Mm. And so then I get another email thread to set up this phone conference. Oh, my goodness. The deputy is on board. They are really, <laughs> they are really about this writing con- this contest. Is a, this yeah. is amazing. They're going to yeah. say yes. And so to lead off, hey, we will, we will have had this conversation, had this yeah. committee, we revamped, and after so many years of wanting it, because the the library staff isn't involved in the selection, it's a mm. it's a pro, it's an external process. So they said they they've it was to hear the, the feedback afterwards that they every round they're rooting and they're cheering and oh she didn't get it again <laughs> oh so f- to be selected and for me i didn't have to tap dance i didn't have to present yet another collection of all of my work and accolades mm-hmm. um i don't like to lean on what people do and don't deserve but i will confidently and 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 without reservation, say I've certainly earned this space. Absolutely. And to not have to make the city give it to me yeah. with all, if you've heard all that attitude in my voice, um, <laughs> yeah. felt amazing. Yeah. So that was a high, high compliment and an honor and something that I've, that I'm enjoying thoroughly, mm-hmm. um, just this relationship. And so the work that we're going to do, my platform will be to host conversations. Mm. Oh, surprise, right? <laughs> um, we're going to host a series of something I'm calling poemologues. Mm. So it's an element of a course that I taught at Mount Mary a few years ago. And <clears throat> it's, a, it's a facilitation tool to get, get us on a really authentic discussion um, there's no literary analysis. We're not asking you to, to please don't write any poems. Go find a poem. Yeah. So when we talk about body, place, freedom, and power, mm-hmm. um, as an example, when we did the course for body, one of the women in my class, she was grandmother range, <clears throat> and she brought in a poem about periods. Mm-hmm. And the instructions were, you're going to post this poem, but more importantly, give me 100 words of why you picked this poem. Mm-hmm. So she was explaining how in her day, you know, this wasn't even anything that you talked about. 
right? And and this day, how she is both, what was it? She is both, um, she both celebrates and is concerned mm. with how open women are. And so you can imagine generations of women in this room and a couple of guys. But we're talking about, you know, all the way from, yes, you hid that little you hid that little tampon yeah. in your backpack and never and you let no one ever, ever, right. ever, ever see it. To now I've got students who are literally ha- holding period parties. Right. Mm. And everything in the middle. So it was really interesting. Just this this stamp of generations and. Yes, on one hand, it's it's an easy cliche or it's an easy um, categorization. But in real time, what when we showed up on this planet, based on what was being taught, it was yeah. just a really great conversation. Yeah. So um, that will be the theme. We'll do those topics. Wonderful. We'll do them in branches across the city. We'll do like a, a people's anthology of um, the, all the different poems that they bring in from their favorite poets, wherever those folks are. Yeah. But mostly we're going to talk. That sounds wonderful. And it sounds like a, a piece of the bigger puzzle that I'd love to dive into another program that you're involved in, in, in that from Imagine's perspective, we want artists to be at all these tables facilitating conversations mm. woven into the civic fabric of our city and that we'll all be the better for it. Um, that that concept is so central to your work, and one of the outputs of that has been the Creative in Residence program at Stillwaters. Mm-hmm. Um an immersive experience in cultural organizing and placemaking and art intervention programming. And last year was the first year of this, correct? Yes. And, and you, you partnered with 11 local artists to be in residence and, and deliver amazing programming in, in 12 different neighborhoods. So tell us more about that. It was, am- it was amazing um, watching, watching them go, mm-hmm. um, watching them get up and go. The concept came through in knowing the of uh, the invitations that I've personally received and seeing projects that have happened around the city in the genesis and evolution of from the Alliance to CAM to Imagine MKE to being able to travel around the country and know and just be aware of other initiatives that are happening through the lens of art, through the initiative of creatives and creative organizations and looking around at the tables that I was sitting at and even looking at the minutes of tables I had not been invited to sit at. um, There were, I just know there are a lot of creatives and artists in this city. If have they, had they been invited to this, to said tables could have produced something amazing. And I also know, and I've had conversations with some of these amazing artists and have invited them to some of these tables to which they have not shown up because what, Mm -hmm. what is that? And what are you talking about? And, there's not a clear path. There's from, not a clear path. Yeah. There's not a clear understanding. And again, remember, this is not a city that has always encouraged risks and thinking right. working outside of the box. So it's it's an interesting conundrum to have a creative community who is afraid to be creative. Mm-hmm. But being as creative as they should be, they all they've had to leave the city. They're underemployed and struggling in ways that starving artists was never intended to mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and or just as a craft, as a conversation, as a population, the city, because it has not encouraged creativity, doesn't know how to receive this resource, doesn't know how to access and engage these folks. So instead, you're just that weird cousin who likes to go to see live music all the time. Right. right? right. Um, so knowing that these two, these two, I can't even call them extremes, but these two mindsets 
um, exist in this city mm-hmm. in at a time when it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so looked at so looked into creating a a day where we were able to say this is what creative placemaking is. This is what cultural organizing is. This is what art intervention looks like. And this is what's possible. So we started with a symposium. We partnered with Greater Milwaukee Foundation um, to do the creative exponential. And the invitation was not only is this going to be exponential in your work as a creative, as an artist, in your invoices, in the city impact, it's more than just more than just mu- doing murals, love murals, but what else can... Who else can be a part of this discussion? So we did this full day. We brought in practitioners um, from across the country, um, academics, um, um, political or community organizers, because there is an overlap um, in that, in in the endeavor. Definitely. Um, We brought in someone who who runs an international association of residencies. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, says, now that you've heard all of this, we've got an opportunity for you. We have seven topics 12 neighborhoods, what's one idea you would do to activate this question, activate this conversation? And we got these submissions, the ideas were outstanding. And so each of these creatives were, they had a coach on how to do neighborhood development outreach, how to do social media, um, worked with them specifically on how to shape their idea into an initiative. Say, no, 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 that's going to take three years. You only have this summer. Okay, wait, wait, we, we can probably look at this <laughs> differently in that. And, and yeah. they brought them together to for them all to work together on. Everyone at some point had, the, had to take a pivot from mm-hmm. their original idea because that's just the nature of doing outreach work. So spent the summer of, of activating these, these concepts and getting them engaged in this work. And we had a recent college graduate and a recent retiree. We covered 12 different neighborhoods throughout the, wow. all the corners of the city. We, it was, um, I was, I was impressed with their tenacity because it's across the board too. It's also unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. So you're going to do a lot of things that seem that they should be second nature. And they're, again, they're all transferable skills, but you're doing a whole campaign Mm -hmm. and you're doing it in a neighborhood where you don't know anyone and no one necessarily knows you. And there is an etiquette and an ethics into how you enter a neighborhood that doesn't belong to you. So Mm -hmm. teaching those steps and, um, and so on this end of things and at the end of it, we had, an amazing experience of what they learned about the partnerships and experiences they had in the neighborhoods. And we're looking now in terms of building that out. So the next half is how do we, how do we create an onboarding experience for the neighborhoods and for our content partners? Mm-hmm. So we had cotton content partners that came on imagining KE was one of them. They were like, this looks great. We don't know what's going to happen, but we know that the intention is to build capacity of our creatives in this city. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it in a neighborhood and we're going to address socially relevant discussions. We're in, mm-hmm. we're on, mm-hmm. we'll figure it out. So we're at the part now of, again, is putting in processes in place. So I'm really excited about what these creatives came up with the neighborhoods, um, the, in, enjoyed being, being engaged in this unique way. A lot of times these initiatives happen and it's extractive. You know, because we have a research initiative we're doing because we want to know about blah, 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 blah. We package it as coming in, doing a thing with the neighborhood, but it's really not about the neighborhood. Um, And in this endeavor, it 
it was a, it was about the creatives building their skill set on how we could ultimately do things more and better yeah. and all more authentically in the neighborhood. So we really appreciate everyone who I call this group a cohort zero. Yeah. So yeah. it's still in a lot of ways a pilot, but it went fantastically. And our partners um, um, saw a lot, got a lot of new ideas for them. So we're in discussions now of, of, of plotting it out. So we'll have an official cohort one. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's so exciting to hear more about and to think about how essential that mindset is of integrating creatives into the social fabric and social change in our city. How, how, what a great opportunity Milwaukee has in the work of, of you and organizations like Stillwaters to elevate that to be central to what we're about as a city, right? Yes. <laughs> it's, yes. So, it's so exciting. And I'm sure does not come does not come easily comes out of of 20 years of practice of you and 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 your colleagues in Stillwaters getting to a point where perhaps those you needed to convince to see the value in it finally see the value so it's it's thrilling to to learn more about it from you you. you that today yeah so speaking of being lucky we're very lucky to have your voice uh reading life in motion as a as a central feature of this video we're going to release that's a celebratory arts and culture in milwaukee sort of showpiece that we can nice. put out there to to remind people that uh the arts is really central are really central to our city um so I would love to just ask you a little bit more about about the poem life in motion. Um, it's so beautiful. Our office, uh, we we tear up when we read it. You know, it's the story of individuals, but it's also the story of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us more about the piece, the origin of it, how it began? Um, hmm. I will definitely say it's a composite. So there wasn't a particular incident or or a specific person, but just that that. Um, collective feeling of my daughter when she gets frustrated we just resort to sound effects ah, hmm, you know <laughs> sometimes it's the words don't you know as a wordsmith the words don't come together and do the things that you need um and so emotionally it can be that feeling of going through motions but you don't see them as going through the motions. You're following this template that was laid out for you, or you are responding to instructions that sounded like they were intended for you. And the biggest part of that is all of us hold on to these old, these old uh, notes with the things that didn't get checked off and the checkoffs that shouldn't mm-hmm. have happened, and that is what we spend time um, measuring ourselves against all the things we did and didn't do. And it's that it's acknowledging that in an individual and in each of us doing that, that's what we look like together. And when that's what we look like together, here's where we're not going. Mm -hmm. So this is reminder that so one of the lines I like particularly is, um, coast be not ocean edge, be not your end. Mm -hmm. So you do have limitations just, Mm -hmm for nothing else by the measure of being immortal mm-hmm. or living where you live or having the account that you have or the understanding of a language that you don't, I mean, you have limitations mm-hmm. and that's just all they are limitations on those particular dynamics that are around you. But that doesn't in, in the challenges that are in front of you and oceans worth even 
is not your end. It's where those two pieces meet, your limitations and your challenges. There's literally this shoreline where they meet, and that's yeah. that's all that delineates is where those two things meet. Mm-hmm. Um, so just reminding that there's still so much more, um, and not to say that we don't want to address the limitations and oceans and yeah. and challenges and obstacles, but mm-hmm. that's not all that you are. That's not all that we are. Yeah. Um, and there's even in that a beauty in finding that balance of where to put your toes. Yeah. So that's what the piece was was hoping to to give to folks, um, an acknowledgement of things that are difficult, of parts of us that are not picturesque, and still all of it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it reminds me of hearing from an artist once talk about the a metaphor of where ecosystems meet and mm-hmm. the creativity within those, you know, like a forest meeting a prairie and, and the, the sort of life that can only exist um, in that creative zone in between things. And, and I, I just thank you for reminding me of that in, in, in drawing this metaphor of the coast and, and those intersections and sure. Yeah. So, Dasha, what do you think the future looks like for Milwaukee's arts and culture at large? Um, from your perspective, where are we headed? What are our strengths or areas for growth? I don't know. Imagine MKE, what y'all going to do? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> what y'all going to do? We've, yeah. we've done what we can. But honestly, yeah. that is a that is going to be a component to it mm-hmm. of having of having an infrastructure in place even better because I'm a writer you'll appreciate this you're like a trellis right Mm -hmm. so the rose vines cucumbers I don't garden but the things that grow up they need a trellis they Mm -hmm. need something to cling to and then that creates the structure for folks to climb and grow out and bloom otherwise you just got a bunch of really amazing uh vegetables rotting on the ground <laughs> you know roses yeah, that yeah. won't get to their full bloom so that i believe is what feels like is happening mm-hmm. from organizations like imagine mke from artists and creatives who have a moved into the city mm-hmm. and came into the city and looked around and went, what are y'all doing? And just went to work and putting in systems yeah. that actually make sense and are a little bit more equitable. Mm-hmm. It's also young people who are, I call them neo-grown, who are now in their neo-grown years, also with an attitude of, what are y'all doing? Mm-hmm. This is whack. We're going to do something different. And claiming spaces for themselves. And not only are they claiming spaces for themselves, but they're claiming space and making sure when they get there, they're leaving a seat open for somebody in their in their peer group yeah. um, or in their network, which is an element that as a city we've missed. Mm-hmm. So everyone with this mindset of there's only one crumb from that big old pie up there and we right. all have to fight over it. Um, we've we've just proven time and time again there's plenty of pie, plenty of cake, plenty of plenty of all the metaphors for everybody to be fed. Yeah. So those things happening um, also then it invites a different audacity it invites other people to come other creatives to come and then you have and then you have art culture creativity that's just present Mm -hmm. Um, I'm doing some work for example at a venue and they said we want it to be where arts and culture is just part of what we do it's and and my interpretation and my feedback to them was 
my proposal then are these are the events that I would recommend or these are the in, these are the efforts that I would recommend that aren't really events. Mm-hmm. So otherwise people can still mentally separate the calendar date where the the, the dance happens, the poetry happens, the author comes, the, 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 the thing happens. But if you just look up from lunch one day and then there's someone painting or if you are just coming through to get your whatever after work and here there's a cooking, dim- it just it suggests that you should expect this, that mm-hmm. this is normal. Mm-hmm. So that is a comparison, you know, getting things and people and mindsets and programs in place and these trellises where creativity is expected mm-hmm. um, and get people then what we able to push the envelope. You mean we can be creative beyond a mural? Yes. Yes, Sally, you can. Um, And again, murals, we need to have them. And the process it takes to get that art on the wall does all the things. But there, it goes back to inviting creativity Mm -hmm. and then artists into into a space invites all of us to be human. Mm -hmm. Because if it were just a matter of, again, crossing off those check boxes, all of us who are check boxer crosser offers would we'd be happy and right. the city would be great but right. we need some humanity in this place yeah. and so ways that we can we can absorb other people's ideas and stories mm. so with that being said i think that it's it's we've always had the talent here we've had the the creativity has been here but it you know you have we've had to hide or there's not been a place to yeah. exercise it or more than importantly not a place to build on it and still be able to eat. Yeah. Right. So having these things in place where it changes um, people's relationship, it, um, expands people's practical outlet in terms of being able to practice their craft and their art will change the way people receive it. Mm-hmm. So we're at the beginning of a new beginning. Mm-hmm. We still have a lot of work to do, but yeah. these, these new initiatives, they're not new. Let me scratch that. These, advancements of long-standing initiatives and hopes and dreams it feels good right Mm -hmm. oh I love that I'm I'm just jazzed to keep that trellis image in mind and and being a piece of that Mm -hmm. in the work that we do every day it's beautiful yeah yeah that and a co and the co-op that's the other thing that artists need. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Telling, I don't know how many years, for years, for years, for years. <laughs> so, for example, um, I cannot possibly keep my graphic designer. I can't keep her right afloat. Right. Um, but if there were a co-op, you know, this co-op office, well, however it comes, however the language for a year. Mm-hmm. Right. So you may mm-hmm. have two graphic designers three social media people, somebody that does contracts. It doesn't need a whole lot. Yeah. Five, three people to do admin, help with email. However those folks are selected, then they have a contract for a year or two. Two sounds good. Mm-hmm. And that means whoever is a member of or whoever is a card-carrying artist, whatever you folks come up with, then I have access to that person. Mm-hmm. And so whatever I, I would have, should have, could have paid um, – I, so this these independent professionals are eating yeah. and doing work that they love. It's creating a resource and a service for so many small arts groups and artists mm. who don't have the resources to yeah. have their. And I don't. Ha, I mean, let me be clear. I don't have a graphic designer. I've got someone I know who's great at graphic design right. who right, I right, have right. kept in my phone for years and years and years. <laughs> um, but just there are ways to 
again, this trellis put systems in place that address the things that people need. Mm-hmm. And those minds seem to be coming to the table and the resources that are needed to make those things happen. I love that. I've been thinking about that as well and hadn't put the name co-op to it, but it makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's such an opportunity for us to find a way to get those tools to the individual artists, to the smaller organizations that that need them and and systemize the process in which they need to go out into the wind and try and find it on their own. And at a low rate, you know, we can do better. When I was putting together my, the second version of my making cake show, the fact that I had the thought, Oh, I know I'll just teach myself animation should not have happened. No, should not. (laughs) So much effort to learn. Should not have happened. Yeah. 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 And I didn't teach myself animation. It didn't work out. (laughs) So to close out, uh, I would love to invite you to, just make a shout out, celebrate, lift up something in Milwaukee's arts and culture scene that you're excited about right now. Could be a person, a place, mm-hmm. an org. Hmm. Two, I'm going to do two. Mm-hmm. So one, I'm going to shout out all of the creatives and the partners in this, this creatives in residence project. Um, one, the, example that these partnerships proved you know not suggested not hoped for proved was possible um, from inviting a creative to come up with a way to have a conversation about fatherhood and super baby daddies happens Mm -hmm. to invite a creative to um, highlight an issue of food deserts and food cartography video sketch notes happen wow. um, and projects on and on and on. So I'm, I'm excited about what happened um, and what those partnerships can prove to be. And I'm also excited about there's a podcast, though the podcast community in the city is growing it's not new, but it's growing. So difference being, you know, there've been folks out here been at this for a long time, but to see more people that are trying. And I'm thinking right now about these three young brothers who um, have started a podcast called out of pocket. And one is presently taking courses at MATC learning about the engineering game. Um, Another one is a student at UWM. The third, I believe is a working man, but they're all neo grown. They're all in their, Mm late teens, early 20s. So that as an example of a mindset that decided, you know what, we're going to figure this out. We're going to, one just got a job at Best Buy so he can get the discounts on whatever equipment they're going to need, right? So the intention that they have, the some of it's that youthful exuberance that because the whole world is yours absolutely you mm-hmm. young men yes yes go get it <laughs> um but also that they're reaching out to you know just watching them work and they're reaching out to folks who are already in the podcast community they're reaching out to other engineers um that can that they can partner with not just teach me how to do this but I want to learn how to do this and I also want to do something with you. Mm -hmm. So I've again had the pleasure of watching a lot of young people um, transition themselves into less than young people. Mm -hmm. And it's just another reminder of what's happening and what has been happening. Um, But I think they've come along at a time where we're really going to see a lot more of these kind of spirits and initiatives, bravery and creativity that's going to be the bomb of this city. So they are an example of what I'm excited about coming forward. It's a, a new but not new mindset and, and a willingness to imagine what happens forward. 
Fantastic. Well, you are amazing, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you, Dasha. You're welcome. Thank you for that. Thanks for listening, folks. To stay in touch with and learn more about Dasha's work, head over to www.dashakelly.com. Remember, this is the first episode of my all-new show, so be sure to subscribe by searching Arts Forward MKE on your favorite podcast listening platform, or go to imaginemke.org podcast. Next week's interview will be with artist Ken Brown. You won't want to miss it. And as always, make sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Imagine This Podcast wherever you get your pods. Special shout out to musician Amanda Huff for the use of her song, Caroline's, which you're listening to now. Be well, friends. Be well, friends.